I'm Dr. Nicole Byers, clinical psychologist and brain health expert, and you're listening to The Bold Life Podcast, the podcast for working moms who are feeling stressed out and overwhelmed trying to do it all. As a working mom with big career dreams, I know what it's like to not have enough time in the day and to lack the skills and confidence to reach your goals. I have spent years understanding how our brains work and learning what holds us back from having the courage to reach our dreams. Each week, I'll be sharing practical strategies to help you find more time in your day, build your confidence, fight back against mom guilt, and reach your goals. If you want to learn how to thrive both at home and at work, you're in the right place. Hello, and welcome to the Bold Life Podcast. Today, we're joined by a special guest, Kristen Boyle. Kristen is an internationally certified yoga therapist, somatic coach, single mom, and entrepreneur who's here to share with us how we can use yoga therapy and the embodied living practice to avoid burnout and thrive in life. Welcome, Kristen. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Nicole. Thanks for having me. I know I shared a little bit about you in the intro, but can you tell us more about you know what got you interested in yoga therapy, how you started down this path? Uh, you know, uh, it's, I feel like that's always the question where I go into my entire life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was, a, I was a dancer before, and that led me right into the practice of yoga, which led me into teaching yoga. And so that was about 15 years ago that I started teaching yoga. And then as life happens, um, I went through a pretty nasty divorce, um, lots of dysfunction in the relationship and lots of hurt, um, my own burnout, and recognizing that the teaching of yoga and the practice of yoga was sustaining me through all of that so that I didn't go to complete collapse. I have two children um, who were six and nine at that time. And realizing how supportive that practice was made me even more curious about why. And so that led me down the road to yoga therapy training, which um, took a couple more years. And so that's that's where I've landed now. I can really understand much deeper what the practice of yoga is about, why it helps us, how it helps us sustain, and then as I continue to work on what it is for me, what my personal practice is, um, embodied living really becomes it. So how do we bring the body into the conversation, to the full conversation of our well-being? And it doesn't mean diet and exercise. You know, it goes way beyond that. So that's, that's where I'm moving towards that somatic coaching. Fantastic. I know I talk a lot on this podcast about mind-body connection. It's something that um, I'm really passionate about, and I see it a lot in my work in so many different areas, just how our, our mental health, our emotional health, and our physical health can really interact. Can you tell me more about kind of yoga therapy and that approach? You know, a, a lot of my work is is almost like a paradigm shift. Like we talk about mind-body connection and, and I take it from the angle of the mind and body were never disconnected to begin with. They are incredibly integrated. And the more attuned to the signals of the body we can become, the better we have um, we have that to guide us and our choices. I, I tend to be quite sensitive to my body, probably because of the work that I do. But I can say yesterday morning, I just felt really like a very jittery kind of energy in my body. And I wasn't focusing and I was, you know, kind of moving around really fast. And when I know that about myself, then I can decide, okay, is it time to go to the store and try to get some grocery shopping done? Is it time to sit down and read a book or is it time to like get on my bike? You know, so it's, 
really taking that information that's coming from my body already to inform what I do, because in that jittery state, it's not going to help me to try to sit down and read a book, right? Um, if I tried to go to the grocery store, probably the chaos of people around me and, you know, looking at my list and everything, I'm not going to be able to focus on that. So really what I need is to move my body and move that energy so that I can come back to that place of calm and clarity so I can do the other activities. I love that. I know that's something that that I find for a lot of folks that we struggle with is really not paying attention to our body and when our body is trying to give us those signals. Do you find that in the work that you do that we're not great at paying attention to ourselves? Oh, absolutely. And and it's it's very interesting when I work with, you know, people come to me who are yoga practitioners, right? Oh, I've been doing yoga for years. I really understand my body and they do on one level. You know, I can say, "Oh, this this feels like a stretch. This feels like muscle fatigue, you know, you can, you can go to that level of the physicality, but there's, there's a deeper layer that, that is missing. And I just think of how often, I mean, just so many examples, um, you know, our fitness culture, our workout, work, working out, even when you're fatigued, you're overriding what the body's telling you is needed. Um, even diet, you know, what diet's the best? Well, that's a very individual thing. You know, and what do I need to nourish my body right now is different from what I needed yesterday. So really getting a little bit more clear on how unique and individual each one of us is. Um, and I also often use the example of like, we're living in this world of overwhelm, you know, which leads to burnout. <laughs> and we're like not conscious that standing in line at Starbucks to get your three shots of espresso just so you can get through the rest of your day is a signal <laughs> that something's out of balance and it's not that hard to bring it back into balance. You know, I think that when we're in that state of overwhelm, we can't see how easy it is to bring things back into balance, but instead we go to Starbucks for that three shot of espresso. <laughs> right. Right. And especially if you're feeling, you know, agitated and stressed out, maybe caffeine is probably not the best option at that point anyway. Right. Even though that's your go-to, you know, and yes. maybe your body's craving it, but it's because you've taught it. That's the way you live. But once you start removing that, I mean, it's kind of like we could get into the gluten-free conversation too. It's almost like until you remove the thing, you don't realize how you're living. And that's exactly what, what I learned too. Um, my example of my, my divorce, until I removed that part of my life that was so incredibly stressful, um, I didn't realize how, how stressed and overwhelmed and even burnt out I was. And it took years of recovery. So... <laughs> So interesting, hey? And even with your own you know, background, I know you were doing yoga as well at the time. So even, like you said, not uncommon for folks to come in to see you and they have a yoga background, but they're still not catching some of those signals that their body's trying to send them. Yeah, yeah. Super interesting. Something interesting you said that I know I've talked to folks about before is that, you know, the mind and body were never disconnected. And Maybe I'm going to go on a little bit of a soapbox rant here about this, but I think unfortunately in in the medical field we've failed a little bit here to remember that. And uh, you know the example I always give it, at least where I'm from in in Canada, you know, mental health and physical health, how medicine views them is very different. And for example, in the hospital I used to work in, you know, you even go to separate wings of the building if it's a, a mental health, emotional health problem, or if it's a physical health, body health problem, and that's not. Traditionally, you know, for thousands of years, medicine worked really different and we recognize the whole person and, you know, even the 
some of the first psychiatrists were neurologists or other physical medicine specialists who were really interested in that mind-body connection. So I think even at a kind of society level, we started to forget about how our mind and our body are so connected in this way. Yeah, and I it's it's funny you bring that up, or it's not funny, it's all part of this conversation, but one yoga therapy book that I read over the summer pointed to the art of dissection as being where we started to split things up. And um, yeah, and, and that's really in the West. It all happened in the West. We cut the body apart. We cut the brain apart from the body and the nervous system and all these things. And yet, if you look at Eastern medical practices, that it's all connected. I mean, Chinese medicine or in yoga, there's Ayurveda, uh, the body mind, it's, it's all connected. And it's even goes deeper into energy, which is something that our Western medical field hasn't yet started to bring in. And um, I'm not a neuroscientist at all. But maybe that's where neuroscience can start to help us see a little bit more how connected it is. Yeah, I am hopeful of that too, but we're not great at that right now. I must say either <laughs> we're still, we're still pretty split, right? Is, there's lots of, of drive right now in neuroscience to explain the, the basic biology of, you know, how these cells work. And when it comes to the brain, that's not how our brains work. Yes, there are cells and there are certain parts of the brain that do certain things, but our brain is so much more complex than that. And it's not this direct one-to-one relationship. And I find a lot when we try to really break it down to those super specific terms, like you said, kind of dissecting everything out, it it removes some of that whole, some of that whole understanding of the person. Yeah. And yet I, th- I think that it's necessary. I mean, I do believe that, that that dissection to find out what each part does is important, but then you have to eventually put the whole, you know, the whole engine together so that it in coordination. And I think maybe that's where the, at least in my mind, we need this blend of Eastern and Western. And that's where, you know, I kind of dabble, bring it all together, because it's, it's all one whole, you know, some, some of my clients come to me with something like irritable bowel syndrome, right? But we're already seeing that some people are eased with anti-anxiety medicine, right? So, there's all we're already making those connections. We're just not making it on that conscious level. Yeah, absolutely. And is that where the idea of embodied living comes in? Tell me more about that and what you do. Yeah, so it's it really is noticing the signals of the body and then making choices um, based on that. As in my example of like, do I go to the store? Do I sit and read a book? Do I meditate? Do I go on a bike ride? You know, um, making those kinds of choices. But what happens is. In our culture, especially, we live so much in our minds, in thoughts. And I'm sure you've felt it, and everyone listening has probably felt it, that sometimes the thoughts are just racing and you can't stop them. And ha- learning how to its not, maybe override the system to bring it back to homeostasis, a big way to do that is to get really fully present with your body. And so that's what I work with my clients on is first and foremost, okay, tell me how you are and then tell me how your body responds to the story you're telling me, you know, and, and then we start diving in because right there, there's, there's kind of a touch point on, on how they're doing. Sometimes it's like, Oh, I don't even feel my body. Okay. 
because you've popped into your head, we can disconnect from the body. Like, um, it's not dissociation. It's not that extreme, but it is in a way because it's like we're not present to the felt sense. And, um, so then we start working with, okay, let's start to feel the body. So in that case, I might have my client like start tapping their body or something just to feel it. You know, this is what's happening here. Or sometimes they go, Oh my gosh, as I'm saying that I'm feeling like I can't breathe. I feel this restriction and a tightness in my chest. And, um, so recognizing what that story that they're telling is actually having an impact on their body is, is part of it. And then we start working with that sensation. So a lot of the session happens around just noticing the sensation of the body and how it shifts and changes based on what we're doing and then having dialogue around it. And a lot of times halfway through the session, someone has one of those big aha moments. Sometimes it doesn't come till the end. Sometimes tears come up and they say, wow, I don't know where that's coming from, you know, but it really is bringing the body into the conversation. Um, and I do see it's, it's a practice and it's something that has to be learned. So once I start working with someone, it's really interesting for me to see how, you know, months, years down the road, they, they almost start guiding themselves through the work with me just holding that space. And it's really beautiful to, to observe that. Yeah, that would be amazing. So interesting. And uh, I'm, like I said, really interested in this area. And one thing that I find with a lot of folks is that when they start to notice those body sensations, when they start to shift their focus to them, it's really uncomfortable. And I have lots of folks who I see who start to worry that, oh my gosh, something's going wrong with my body or my body shouldn't be responding this way. Do you notice that in your work too? I do. You know, that I think it, it, it's again, just learning about what those signals are. You know, your body is responding. So let's work with that. And there's no wrong response. You know, they do, my clients will have sometimes like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that, you know, I'm twitching in my right hand. You know, I don't know where that's coming from. Well, I don't either. And in the, my approach, we don't need to know. We just need to recognize that it's happening and then work with that. Okay. What does it feel like to notice your hand twitching? You know, how are you, how are you with that? Oh, well, I'm scared. That's weird. <laughs> you know, okay. You're scared and weird. So let's work with that. And so it's, it's a lot of dialogue through whatever it is that you're noticing. The first part is just noticing. Yeah. Absolutely. So interesting. In psychology and mental health, we call those somatic symptoms. So they're our body's way of demonstrating that we're under stress or pressure. Is I know you mentioned you're a somatic coach. Is that does somatic mean the same thing in your world or is it something different? Yeah, it's it's pretty much exactly what you're saying. Is um and that's that's the way I've started to language my practice simply because when I say I'm a yoga therapist, at least here in the West, people already have a an idea of what that is. And often the response is, Oh, yeah, I practice yoga at such and such a studio. And, you know, my response is, well, when you work with me, you'll be lucky to do a warrior too. Because I I really focus on, you know, the, the postures are not necessarily yoga postures. It's more we're creating shapes of the body to create sensation to bring your mind into focus of, on the body. And so sometimes no actual postures are needed based on whatever I'm receiving from the client. So yeah, that's why I kind of phrase it as somatic coaching because I'm coaching you, like literally coaching you to pay attention to 
the somatics, pay attention to what's happening in the body. Yeah, so interesting. So like you said, different than what we would think of as traditional yoga, where yeah, I go to the gym and I do a workout in yoga, basically. But like you said, sometimes, maybe not even necessarily doing any of those postures, but really using those methods to bring that focus in. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, I can bring in, you know, if someone comes in with a, what's louder than the thoughts is a physical pain, then I can work with that too. Um, I'm also a Thai massage therapist, so I can, I can get some massage in, I can get some stretching in, we can work with that physical pain. And what happens is often that physical pain that's speaking really loudly, if we can work with it, it will kind of step to the side and something else will come up. And that something else can often be something emotional or psychological or spiritual, if you will. So yeah, that's, we're, we're just trying to uncover what's there. Interesting. Pain is another area I'm really interested in and just how that the psychological and the emotional aspects of pain. And, and we know that's the case that, you know, all pain is processed in our brain. And so how we interpret that pain can make a big difference in our, our perception and how we feel pain. And, and just as you said, sometimes there's something else underneath that pain. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so this is where I dive into yoga philosophy. So like you have training in psychology and neuroscience and all of that. I have a little bit of that language because I need it to do what I do, but really it's rooted in, in yoga philosophy where the concept of our being, you know, I can't say body because that's the physical part, but the being is that there are layers to it. And, and it's almost like an onion. The outermost layer is, is the physical body. And then the next layer is the energetic body. And then the next layer is the emotional body. And then the next layer is the layer of the intellect. And then we get closer towards our true self. And all of those are intertwined. So energy and emotions are very closely linked. If I feel an emotion, then there's also an energetic quality to that emotion. And then also the intellect going a little bit more subtle. So that's really a, um, it's called the koshas. And that's, that's the concept that I, I work with. So when I say there's something underneath, yeah, you might have physical pain, but what else is there? You know, and, and sometimes it's an injury. You know, if I, if, if I break my ankle, then I'm going to have pain in my ankle. <laughs> but even that pain could bring up memories, emotions. Yes, there's frustration because I can't walk for six weeks. So there's a lot that's going on in that one injury. But I also feel like we already are, are, we already know in science that psychological and emotional pain causes physical pain. So we're not so far off in science from figuring that stuff out. But I feel like yoga, the ancient yogis knew that. <laughs> so interesting, right? I know I was doing some research uh, a few years back on kind of the, the history of psychology and, and neuroscience. And it was kind of the same for us too, is that a few thousand years ago, we understood this mind-body connection a lot more. We didn't know all the basic science of what was going on, but you know, we understood that when someone was experiencing emotional stress or overwhelm, that it was going to have an impact on the body. And then we kind of forgot it for a while. And then, like you said, shifting back to this more more ancient, more longstanding understanding of the mind and body is something that we're working on in the healthcare field. Yeah, absolutely. And I really do think it goes back to dissection. You know, that's when we started taking it apart to figure out what the parts do. And now we're in this process of trying to put it all back together. 
So good. I know something you mentioned that I'm interested in as well is kind of that that snowball effect through those kind of different areas, those different layers of say someone has an injury, like you said, they they break their ankle. So that's going to cause physical pain to the body. But then, like you said, their activities are restricted for some time. You know, you can't go out, you can't do the things you want to do, you're hobbling along on crutches and how that kind of can impact all those different layers. Can we talk about that a little bit more? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, in, in a lot of ways, we could talk also like in the pandemic and how many people are having to get quiet and how unnerving that is to get quiet, stay at home. You know, I think the same thing with breaking your ankle, all of a sudden you're put in this situation where you, you're going to be home a lot more, you know, you're not mobile and you need to rest. And so how are, how are you doing in that situation? How are you being? That can bring up lots of anxiety for someone who is usually on the go all the time. And yet that being on the go all the time is probably, you know, an, an adaptation or a coping mechanism for them to avoid some things they need to look at. So the ankle break actually leads to a whole lot of possible, you know, personal growth, (laughs) possible, what I call the dark night of the soul, when you go, Oh, my God, (laughs) you know, like, I don't know what what's happening or who I am anymore. Like an ankle break could really bring you to that space. And I I believe that um, we need to recognize that and learn that it's okay. This is how life you know, kind of guides us, places obstacles for us, teaches us, you know, how to overcome these things, and then also teaches us to to look in. So if I go into more of a, like, philosophy about all of that, maybe that ankle break happened because there was something you weren't looking at in your life that really needs to be looked at, or something bigger is going to happen. That's kind of how I look at it, philosophically, at least. But that doesn't help the person with the broken ankle who's going through some emotional dark night of the soul. (laughs) Yeah, fair enough. I know this is an area I struggle with as well. And you're right, this pandemic has been tough in so many ways because I am a go, go, go type of person. And to have to pull back a little bit and I feel like I should be doing more right. Like I, I feel that energy. It's like, it's in me. I need to burn it. And I've been, you know, finding different ways and different outlets and, it's it's something to get used to, right? It's a new habit to train, really. Yeah, it is. It is a new habit to to train. How do I how do I just sit on the couch and not do anything? I don't need to fiddle with my phone. I don't need to put on Netflix and find the next show. You know, how do I just sit? Because it, it really is a shift for all of us. Yes. And so, for someone, maybe one of our listeners who look who's looking to get started in this area to become more in tune with their, their body, to, to find those different layers and how they're doing there. Where is a good place to start? What would you recommend? I would recommend having a session with me. (laughs) Tell me more about that. That really is, um, you know, it's a one hour session and it, it's the first step to taking that, that little bit deeper dive into, you know, what's happening in the body, connecting with the body. Um, I even, I, and I do believe that the work that I do, even though I'm very knowledgeable in it and I have all the tools, if I'm going through something really tough, I need someone else to guide me into it. So it really happens. It's the relationship. Sometimes I say it's like a co-creative process um, because you kind of need a, a witness 
you know, a witness who's not judging and also who's not involved in your process just to keep you focused on that process. And that's really where the magic happens with the work. Um, I think it really is between the, between myself and my client. Excellent. I totally agree. I, even when we know all the things that we should be doing and how these things work, it, because we're, we've been doing these habits, we've been doing these behaviors, we've been thinking this way, acting this way for you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 plus years, it can be really hard to see that in ourselves and to um, self-reflect in that way. And so having that person, whether it's a coach or a therapist or a psychologist that can be that mirror for you a little bit and, and work in that collaborative way with you to help find those areas can be so helpful. Yeah, absolutely. It just kind of, it highlights what you're not seeing. You, and you are seeing it because you're saying it, you know, but you need someone to reflect that back to you in a way that's, that's kind and compassionate and supportive. And yeah. And so the work that I do, it's, I can't say it's non-directive, but as much as possible, I clear out any intention of my own except for support. And I'm guiding you to have that realization come up from within yourself. Like I'm not telling you or teaching you. And there might be something that's happening that I see that you're not seeing. And so the trick is how can I guide you to see it rather than telling you about it, if that makes sense. So it works different. That's where it gets really different from, I think, maybe talk therapy. But yet I really recognize too that every talk therapist is different. But it really arises from within, which to me is the core of yoga philosophy. Yeah, I love that. And so if folks do want to work with you, if they want to find out more about you, where should they go? My website is embodiedliving.academy. And if you go there, I have um, a button so you can click to schedule with me. Uh, I usually start with just a 20-minute phone call just to see if we can, you know, if we're a good fit for each other and if I can help with whatever you're needing. And, um, and then from there, we can decide if... Uh, I have a full program that's like the deep dive and it's called the embodied living program, or we can schedule just individual sessions. So I have clients who work with me in either way, but the deeper dive is one of the, that's like, let's, let's really get in and make some change. That's for people who are like, okay, something's not working. I need to figure out what it is. Let's do it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, absolutely. So those different levels of of commitment or, or an option for sure. If folks just want to have a few sessions one-on-one or if they really want to take that deep dive, like you said, through your embodied living program, they can find out more about that too. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. I'll put that link to your website in the show notes as well. So folks can find you easily. Well, thanks so much for being here with us, Kristen. It was a great discussion. Oh yeah. It's really fun to, to talk about what I do because it's, it, it's subtle work. It's, it's really kind of out there sometimes. So um, <laughs> the more I get to talk about it, the more it helps. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks again. Yeah. All right, everyone. That's it for today. Thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Nicole Byers, and this is the Bold Life Podcast. Mm-hmm.